0: This is the Dungeon Master's Handbook. Mars, red Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Handbook. I'm Michael, Chicago Wiz, and I'm glad you're here. I am really excited about this episode. Um, when I started podcasting, this is one of the things that I definitely wanted to talk about because this is just something that really jazzes me up about how I feel about my campaign. It kind of turns for me the volume straight to 11, and I'm really happy to share it with you. I'm going to talk about how I hold War Games campaign in my D&D campaign, or maybe I put it differently, how I've made my campaign into a world where I can do lots of different types of gaming, including uh, role-playing games as well as war games. What the heck am I talking about, and why would I do such a crazy thing? Um, I'm talking about being able to not only have players play in my campaign as Dungeons & Dragons characters, but also to give them the ability to become generals of armies, uh, to be able to command troops and to hold these big war games where there's lots of figures on the table and lots of terrain, and it represents these huge battles, things that can change the, the very face and nature of my campaign world, as well as I can do it myself by doing solo wargaming. Um, this is something that I've thought about for a long time, and i really wanted to do it. Why would I want to do such a crazy thing? Um, well, for me, it adds a dimension uh, to my world that allows me to explore it on a different level. You know in, in, instead of it being kind of the local, you know, you're an adventurer, you're going exploring a dungeon or you know you're helping out somebody you know, at a small level, here we're doing things on strategic levels. I'm talking about nations and tribes of orcs coming down and fighting, you know, the, the full armies of duchies and duchies forming alliances and new enemies coming onto the scene and that sort of thing. This is stuff that I get to see on a sweeping level in my world. Um, another thing is, is, is that it kind of allows me to have all my games in a common setting um, I, I like to say that I don't waste any game, and pretty much anything that I do, I try to do it so that it's going to affect some part of my world, whether it's uh, you know a D and D game, whether it's at a convention or online or you know here at the table. Or if I'm playing a, you know, some sort of a war game, um, it's taking place in my world and it's using, you know, characters and things that I'm very familiar with, and it gives me a chance to explore that. Um, it also makes my world very dynamic, and it gives me an opportunity to do things that'll affect all sorts of players in different ways. Whether my players are playing at the strategic level, at the war game level and they're seeing things that perhaps the players at the D&D level have done that affect what they're going to do, or vice versa. You know, if the players go into this area and it's a war-torn area and they're, you know, either hearing about the victories of the humans or, you know, the the defeats of the human at the hands of the orcs, you know, and they have to interact with that. They have to deal with the outcomes of these battles, and everything just kind of links together, and, oh, I just love it. it. It's so much fun for me to do. And another thing it gives me a chance to do is it kind of gives me a chance to go back and explore the history of D&D. You know, we, we all know that D&D had its roots in campaigns that started as war games. And that D&D itself uh, was heavily influenced, if not springing from, a set of rules that uh, started off as war games rules. I'm talking about Chainmail. And you've probably heard of these three campaigns that I'm about to name. You've probably heard of Greyhawk. You've probably heard of Blackmoor, the Blackmoor campaign. And you probably have heard of Empire of the Petal Throne or Tecumal. But do you know about Hyboria? And what the heck am I talking about? Well, Hyboria is a campaign world that was created by a gentleman by the name of Tony Bath, And this was in the 60s and 70s. Now, Tony Bath. Uh, came up with this uh, campaign, this war game campaign, because that's what he did. He played war games. And it was based on the world of Conan and all of the other nationalities and uh, satrapies and principalities that, you know, were part of the Conan world. Well, Tony had quite a few campaigns in this world, not only in person, but he did some even by good old-fashioned postal mail, uh, mailing out moves and information to his players, and they would, you know, compose their orders and dictate what things they wanted to have happen, and they would mail those in to him, and he would actually sit there and process all those on his map and in his notes, and then email the players the results, Um, and, you He, he not only did this, he also ran a lot of games at events. Um, Tony Bass is, is quite a, a well-known figure in, uh, in wargaming history. Um, and he even wrote this book on the subject. Uh, the book is called Setting Up a Wargames Campaign. I'm going to talk about that a little later. Um, Hyboria in the 60s and 70s really caught the attention of a lot of people, uh, including David Arneson, who is the creator of Blackmore, and it can be argued that uh, if it weren't for David Arneson, Gary Gygax may not have made the jump into doing a wargames campaign with a little bit of role-playing in it, which then led to the Dungeon Adventures and all of that in D&D as we know it. Um, David Arneson had started out a wargame campaign in a similar vein to uh, Tony Bath's Hyboria, uh, when he started out Blackmore, he started it as, you know, a, a war game that's exploring the various characters and, you know, role playing them a little bit. And then he extended it into a dungeon crawl. And uh, David Arneson named Tony Bath as, as a huge influence. Now, of course, we probably have all heard about Greyhawk, and that was uh, Gary Gygax's campaign that was developed in part from the influences that Gary had gotten when he played in David Arneson's Blackmore games. He loved it. And so he started coming up with his own set of rules, and he worked with, uh, uh, you know, David on, on fleshing those out, and he created uh, Greyhawk as a result of this. And, you know, so so it's kind of not hard to imagine that Gary... Uh, not being aware of Tony Bass and the Hyboria campaign. In fact, I'm pretty sure Gary probably had a copy of the book and was was very familiar with the rules. Uh, and then the third big campaign you might have heard of that included war games is uh, Empire of the Petal Throne, or Tecumel. That's the exotic world of Professor M.A.R. Barker that was based on uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but I got to tell you, it's probably one of the most unique settings out there. I do I'm very hard pressed to think of other settings that are as unique as uh, Tecumel and and what uh, Professor Barker came up with. And and I know from having read things that Professor Barker wrote and having talked to people that played in his campaign, um, uh, Professor Barker was very much influenced by Tony Bass and Hyboria, um, including in how Professor Barker kept track of his NPCs on these little 3x5 cards that he had a Rolodex for, um, and having these vast battles in uh, the Tecumon world that involved all of these fantastic armies from these different places. Uh, so the, the influence of wargaming in D&D was set very early on, and a lot of it directly attributable to this Hyboria campaign. So I'm reading all this and I'm learning all this and I'm like, wow, could I do something like that? Could I have this ability to have this world that would include both? And well, sure enough, I've, I've managed to make it work. Um, you know, I, I've had this opportunity to explore the connection between having a wargaming campaign and a role playing campaign in a single world and see how they play off of each other. So that's a little bit about why I've done this. So how about we talk about the how I've done this. And as you're going to hear, that's pretty much an evolving story. So uh, in an earlier episode, in episode seven, I talked about how I was able to incorporate mass combat in my D&D games and vice versa. So in order to do that and to come up with uh, the solution that I did, I had to test out a lot of different games. Um, I started off by testing out several mass combat rules that would allow me to switch back and forth between the one-on-one D&D and the mass combat. And in order to be able to do that, I thought it would be neat to reenact some past events from my campaign world. I'll give you an example. So I was, one of the very first games I tested was Chainmail itself, just to see how easy it would be to switch from a Chainmail game to Dungeons and & Dragons and back and forth. And in order to test uh, Chainmail, I created an event in the past um, that affects one of the local lords that the PCs know. Uh, the lord, his name is Marshall Rame. And the battle that I reenacted was called the Battle of McGillicuddy's Farm. It was a raid that the goblins had, uh, the, the goblins were doing uh, because the harvest was very good and the goblins wanted to get in on the, on the goods. So they uh, performed a raid. And Marshal Rame's father um, was killed in this battle. In fact, sure enough, in, in that chainmail game, uh, the uh, commander of the human forces was killed and I liked that result so much and it kind of worked into how I had played martial Rain up till then uh it became part of the lore and what's funny is is I replayed that same battle several times with using various other games and in almost every time the general died so the dice were definitely telling me a story there um I also when I was testing uh the war games uh various uh, ways of doing it um, I fought a battle that actually did directly influence uh, the characters and kind of more of a current day event um, the uh, same Marshal Reim had to uh, raise a force and go liberate a large town that had been taken over by the orcs the town's name was you and uh the players were not only involved in a little bit of the events leading up to the battle, but uh, they had to deal with the aftermath of that battle and its effects. They saw the, the you know the the results of the refugees. they, Saw how the town had been devastated, and in fact, they were caught up in a two or three-game uh, kind of mini-story arc where they went searching for Marshal Marshall Rame's daughter, and ended up uh, freeing her and uh, taking out a whole group of bad guys. So very cool. Um, so you know, it was already when, even though these were just tests of things that I was doing. I was seeing how I could weave in the story of the battles into the tabletop game and how the tabletop game could affect things that happened in my battles so having had uh, you know some some good thoughts there um, I wanted to know how it was gonna play on in a full war games campaign and let me tell you something. That is a big story, and since we're about out of time now, I I don't like these uh, podcasts to go long, I think I'm going to leave more of the how to the next episode where I'm going to get into more about how I really did a full War Games campaign and how it's playing out in my world. Um, I want to thank you for again for joining me, and I also want to thank you for the kind comments, suggestions, and feedback. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the uh, last episode where uh, I answered a bunch of "how do I" questions. Please keep those coming. I love getting them, and I will answer more in the future. I'd also like to re- ask if you would please, please leave me reviews on iTunes. Uh, it helps to uh, you know helps to get the get the podcast known and, and people will see the great reviews and want to listen themselves. And also, please share the podcast on Twitter, on Facebook, on uh, Google+, wherever you're doing your social media. We have a Facebook page and we do have a Facebook group as well. So why don't you come join that and uh, let me know what you think. All right, that's it. Until next time, game on.